Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The way that I feel now and the sense of peace that I have most of the time was really what I was searching for in the very beginning. And it's almost like I had to go on this massive trek and journey through all these obstacles and like all these, well, what I perceived to be wrong paths to really come back to the beginning and recognize that the feeling and sensations that I was looking for, I already had in me from the very beginning. That is bodybuilder, trainer, and former butcher turned vegan, Fraser Bailey. And this is episode 231 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Osha Ginsberg. This is my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This week is trainer and plant-based bodybuilder and former butcher, Fraser Bailey. You can find him on Instagram, Evolving Alpha. He's also on Facebook under that name. More about Fraser in a moment. If you're brand new to the show, welcome to the show. I'm Osha. Uh, sometimes I count roses on the telly. Um, and each week, every Monday, at least in Australia and Sunday in the States, um, each week, I have an authentic conversation that you get to be a part of with someone that you may know or you may not know, but each week, I guarantee that you will go, oh, that's, I didn't think about that like that before, because a shifted paradigm means that now your world is just a little wider in view. And isn't that a thing that we're all searching for? I think it is. Isn't that good? Hopefully, this one will really kick off with you. It certainly did with me. A big thanks to everyone that got in touch this week. Always great to hear from you. Send us your email at gmail.com is my email address. I do tend to write back to everybody. A few people asking how they can support the show. Well, look, the easiest way, if you like this show, if this show brings you value, if you think this show makes your week a little better, the easiest thing you can do and the most powerful thing you can do 
Just tell a friend. Tell someone that doesn't know about the show. Grab their phone. Add the podcast. Find the artwork. Oh, there it is. Put it on their podcast player. Show them how to download the podcast app. Buy them a phone. Maybe not do that. But you know what I mean. It, it, just telling one other person about this show will help us incredibly here, uh, me and Andy and Haley who make the show, because... Um, the, the easiest way for us to get bigger, better, greater guests, better shows for you is to some publicists you've got to go through to uh, some guests you've got to go through publicists to get to, and the publicists are like, well, what's your download number? So, getting those download download numbers up there helps us get better guests, helps you get better shows, helps you get to say to your friend, hey, did you hear that show with him? thing I said, yes, I was a part of that. So. Yeah, any recommendation is really helpful there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, uh, if you could just put the word out about the show, that would really help. Also, rating and reviewing in iTunes, that is massive, absolutely massive. So if you could take a minute to go do that, that would absolutely be a big part of us having a better show. If you do want to help out with the show... um uh, look, I've said this before, I'll say it again, podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you do want to kick a couple of bucks in, patreon.com slash osher. That page uh, is still open and still most gratefully accepting your pledges. And uh, a big thank you to everyone that put a few bucks in there this week because uh, I do pay Andy and I do pay Haley, who helped me make this show. Um, and, uh, yeah, that money's got to come from somewhere. So I'm really grateful that you can help me out with that. A big hello to those who sent me a photo this week, a podsy, if you will. It's not a selfie. It's a podsy. It's taking a photo with your phone of what you're looking at exactly at this moment. P-O-D-S-I-E. So whip out your phone. Take a photo of what you're looking at as you're listening to this. Uh, if you're listening to this wherever you are, you can email it to me. You can hit me on Instagram. Uh, someone sent me a picture of the most beautiful backyard lemon tree this week. There was something just so serene about it, glistening in the morning dew. It was beautiful. Um, made me just almost taste the spritz of uh, a bit of fresh water with some fresh juice in there. It was exceptional. Anyway, um, and that's what they were looking at when they were listening to the show. So it's pretty excellent. Uh, to check in with you this week, to check in, it's all, it's all small victories at the moment. Everything's going great, but have working once or two with a bit of the old anxiety, waking up with a bit of the... Um, there's a few other things going on in my life. It's always important to look at what else is happening. There's a, one of the edit there's like four or five editing processes stages in the in the book uh, process of getting the book out which is coming later this year but there's like four edits or three edits that we go through four edits and one of the deadlines was um today so i've been uh you know dealing with a bit of that try to punch it out make sure it gets done and um it's just simply when i you know, look at the science of it all and the physiology of it all it's just my amygdala realizing i'm awake and then going oh if i'm awake therefore i should be free so before I know it, before I've even got a reason for it, my heart's racing. I can hear my heart in my ears. Um, not a great thing to happen at 7 a.m. after you've got home at 3 and got to bed at 3.30 uh, <laughs> from work. But that's what's going on. But I have been, you know, as we've been talking about each week, I've been learning more and more about how my brain works and how it processes different, you know, stimulus and how those stimulus get through, sent through my brain and how to handle those different anxiety responses. So... This week, this week, I've been working on my progressive muscle relaxation, um, which is a thing that was discovered, I don't know, in the early 1900s or something like that. Um, but I've got a little uh, Fitbit watch, and you could do it on your phone if you wanted. Um, so it's got a countdown timer on it. So I just set it for, first I set it to every hour, and then I was talking to my psychologist, and she said, no, set it every half hour. So every half hour, I'll take one or two full body relaxation breaths. Now, if you've never tried this before, or you know, maybe you want to read up about it first. I wouldn't want you to pass out. Do not do this standing and do not do this if you're driving. Um, but what I do is I sit down, I take a big breath in as much as I can. I hold it. I push down hard onto that breath. I push my feet into the floor. I clench my fists, 
clench my thighs and my butt muscles as hard as I can, lifting up off the chair. I make fists, I push them as hard as I can in my thighs, my elbows and ribs. I push it, push it, hold it, hold it, hold that muscle that holds my pee in. I hold it all really, really tight for about five seconds. And then I let the breath slowly go as if I'm letting a balloon out through a straw. And then I sink down into the chair and I let that feeling of tension being released just wash over me. And it takes, honestly, it takes about 30 seconds to do that. All right. If I have time, I'll do it twice. And just doing that thing every half hour, every hour has helped me enormously this week. Because I just didn't notice through the day that my muscle tension was just increasing until I look in the mirror at the end of the day and my face is all contorted and my shoulders are in my ears. Anyway, I thought I'd share that because it's been helping. It's been helping an enormous amount, actually. <laughs> just celebrating little wins. Like, you know, when I do wake up with it, <gasps> if I do one or two of those breaths... And then I just then I just count the breaths. I basically just feel the air in my nostrils and count the breaths to ten. And then the next thing I know, I hear an alarm. I mean, that's I'm high fiving myself if that happens. It means I've fallen back asleep. That's the best. So yeah, getting there, getting there. Like I said, it's all about rewiring my fear responses. Luckily, my brain will do that. And here I'm. I'm here to tell you I'm working hard at making that happen. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, my brain was designed to keep me safe on the savage savanna. I just got to help it realize that it's not all tigers and snakes. I'm okay, and I don't actually need the excellent survival instincts that kept my ancestors alive to be active every single moment of my day. I would have made a great caveman. Lonely, but great. Uh, the working out, uh, the working out is helping a lot. I know I've been talking about this, but yeah, I've been I've been going to the gym quite a bit, and I've been riding my bicycle as, as much as I can, um, trying to combine a, a desk over my bicycle so I can work at the same time as doing that. Um, and it's been a big part of me feeling a lot better off of meds. And it's in that space of being off of meds and, and finding ways to substitute the, those uh, hormone releases in my body that make me feel better that I discovered my guest today. And uh, to preface, you know, why it's important to talk about why we're talking with Fraser today, I should let you know, if, if you didn't know already, I'm Osher. Hi, I, I only eat plants. All right. I'm 44. I was born in 1974. So when I was 21... Uh, I stopped eating dairy. Um, I stopped eating red meat around 98, kind of slowed down on that, stopped it eventually. Chicken and fish slowed to a stop in 99. And in 2002, I stopped eating eggs. So I was vegetarian for about three years and then vegan from 2002. So my own journey is, my own journey to eating only eating only plants, it's, it's a long one. And I've been eating this way for about 16 years. But this is the first podcast that I've, done where I kind of dig into that, or at least I, I stand in that place when I speak to a guest. Because I'm not going to lie to you, in the past, people were very reluctant to hear about me being plant-based. In fact, people were more freaked out that I didn't eat meat when I said, no, no, no I don't eat meat, than when I said, no, 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 I don't drink. They were more bothered by the fact that I, I didn't eat meat. That took it very personally. People would take it very personally. It's not so much anymore, but when I started, people would freak out. So I kind of didn't speak about it too much. Attraction, not promotion, was always my methodology around my eating. If somebody asked me about it, I'd tell them about it. But I wouldn't go, you know, you're eating a dead thing. You know, I wouldn't do that. And as a result, I, I never really pursued any kind of advocacy around that because I, I, it's, it's not my decision to tell you what to do really yeah, you know i'm happy to present some facts but you know it's up to you but all i can tell you is that i've never felt better <laughs> and i'm sure fraser's story when it comes to attraction not promotion i'm sure fraser's story 
will attract you towards hopefully finding out more about how what you eat changes not only you, but the planet around you. So let me tell you about my guest today. Fraser Bailey is a bodybuilder and a trainer originally from New Zealand, and he's now living in New Orleans in the States. Yeah, you can follow his adventures at Evolving Alpha on Instagram or Facebook. That's Evolving and Alpha, A-L-P-H-A. Fraser's story is a hero's journey, if ever there was one. From an unwell butcher who lived with a diagnosis of ADHD and then bipolar disorder to a powerful bodybuilder who has achieved an incredible physique on a vegan diet. But Fraser's transformation is way more than physical. The way he describes the dark place he was in during his teenage years, how he escaped the pattern of negative behavior, how he identified ways to start to feel better and then simply worked on them every day, building momentum until he emerged from the chrysalis as a new man. This is a story that will show you the true gift that we have as humans, the gift of being able to choose our next response and choose our next action. It's extraordinary. That Fraser is a bodybuilder may not be something that you aspire to be. That's okay. I don't want to be a bodybuilder either. I was just looking on Instagram for someone that I could, you know, get a bit of a clue about what to eat when I'm doing this much work. You may not want to be a bodybuilder. However, it is a physical manifestation of the focus and commitment that Fraser has to not only feeling better in his mind, but also creating a new life for himself, unrecognizable from his troubled past. And if you add on to that, the extraordinary shift from being a butcher who did work in slaughterhouses, who worked every day cutting up animal carcasses for the supermarket meat section, to then becoming the epitome of what masculinity celebrates when it comes to the alpha type, you know, a fiercely competitive bodybuilder with an intimidating physique. But he does that, and he trains and maintains that physique on a plant-based diet. That's truly truly something to talk about because so much of the communication around health and fitness particularly muscle gain it's all about eating meat paleo keto whatever all that communication about putting on lean muscle gains it's all about meat but when it comes to being a man to expressing masculinity one display of that that we as a culture look toward is muscle primarily muscle that comes from eating animal products it's touted as the only way to get that physique I'm here to tell you that it isn't, and Fraser is most definitely here to tell you too. We caught up on Skype, uh, so there are a few dropouts. Uh, Speaking of audio quality, I'm in a backyard in Brisbane right now. That's why there's wind chimes and I'm doing this on my phone, so sorry about this audio quality. Um, Fraser and I talked on Skype, so there are a few dropouts, but I hope you forgive the glitches and enjoy the inspiration that will come from this conversation with Fraser Bailey. Hello, Fraser. Thanks for joining me, man. How are you feeling? I'm good, dude. It's been a long day. I've been doing four hours of driving lessons here in the US because I'm from New Zealand originally, but my uh, international license expired. So it was time to get a state license. Um, so, lo- I mean, dude, it's like you've been, dr- I've been driving for 15 years and then I'm going back and there's like 15 year olds. I'm going, I'm going with them. I'm like, I remember these days, you know. Well, mate, if it's any consolation, when I was 32, uh, I was living in California and I had to do the same thing that you're doing and I had to take yeah. my driving test. I had to take lessons and I had to take my driving yeah. test. And at 32, after having driven for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, I failed my first driving test in California. <laughs> oh, man. Because everything's backwards as well. 
you know? Yeah. It's a very, it's very, very strange. Well, mate, I'm grateful that we can talk today. I'm grateful to get you on the podcast, man, because, um, yeah, I just, I just kind of thought it, I've been living this way and eating this way for a very long time, but I kind of thought it might, it might be time to start bringing a bit of that into the show, into the podcast. But thankfully, your, yeah. your journey intersects with a lot of the kind of stuff I like to talk about, which is, um, what goes on between the ears. Uh, yes, so, yes, so yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that you know there'll be a lot of you know something there for everyone in in this story. But uh, you are where well, you're in New Orleans at the moment, is that right? Yeah, just north. So we're about 35, 40 minutes north. So we're kind of out of the chaos. Um, you know, like New Orleans is kind of like a bit of a party central, and there's a lot of crime there, and just a lot of stuff that like i don't even want to be near um so we kind of live on the north shore there's there's a lake that divides new orleans from the north shore and um on the north shore it's a lot more sort of calm and relaxed and it's a little bit more monocultural like we i don't come across like i think in my time here in six years i've come across one other australian no new zealanders and like two englishmen um so it is monocultural in that sense, but that being said, it's a little bit more of a relaxing environment, especially for someone who's you know works on this stuff in here. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I understand that. It's important to make sure your environment's right. So how how does a kid from New Zealand end up in New Orleans, man? Can you take us through it? Where what part of New Zealand did you grow up in? Auckland. Um, so I well actually, I mean, I was born in Monganui, um, but I lived in Auckland most of my life. Um, and then funnily enough, my wife, Lauren, I actually, we just kind of stumbled across each other on Facebook in a, in a forum and like a comment section. And we were both personal trainers and into fitness and stuff. And, um, I remember we both said things that kind of resonated with each other. Um, so we sort of just started talking on Facebook and this is like before online dating was kind of normal. Um, and, you know, we, we started doing Skype and um, just, just talking that way, man. And, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up coming over here on a um, tourist visa and I never left. Um, <laughs> and, for you know, for, for a guy like me who used to have like crippling, crippling anxiety, um, it was it was such an empowering experience, you know, because it really made me realize that. You know, often like everything that you you want is just on the other side of that fear. Um, and yes, man. So she's we're expecting our first baby in July. Um, we'll be yeah, they will be married for six coming on six years now. So oh. we've been doing the whole evolving alpha thing together, and you know, moved growing into veganism together and stuff. So it's been a it's been a journey, man. Man, that is that's that sounds <laughs> just in that sentence alone, man. There's a there's a lot there. The thing that you really want in your life is just on the other side of that fear, that anxiety. But that's a thing that you're creating, man. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a thing that's yeah. it's an imaginary thing in your own head, but it's so hard to see it sometimes because our our brains convince us that it's real. Because essentially, we survived as a species by being afraid of stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Absolutely, so dude. Yeah, some of us just some of us are just more afraid than others. Me being one of them. Uh, so you mentioned that you had you know crippling anxiety. How early in your life did that show up? Man, that showed up really early. I guess early by what I would consider common. I would say around the age of about eleven. 
10, 11. It probably was already existing, but I just, it, I was so young, I didn't understand what it was. But definitely when I started getting to that 11 and 12 year old period, I changed schools, you know, and you go through that sort of, you move into that teenage phase of your life and you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to fit in and you're trying to fit the status quo and act normal and, you know, have, you know, validation from, from everyone around you. Um, well, I know that was the case for me. And I think that that really was like a tipping point for me where I was always just walking on this tightrope where I always felt like, are people going to approve of me? Am I doing the right thing? Am I getting like the validation that I want from people to kind of confirm that I'm a worthy person? And the anxiety really just stemmed from that. And also, I think part of it was my diet. So I really do think that um, mental dysfunction and anxiety and things can be proliferated by the foods we eat too. And I think that that, that poor diet coupled with just being – not myself, you know, feeling like I had to be someone different. So I really started from the age of about 10 or 11 and it just kept magnifying. It just kept growing and growing and growing up all the way through to my early twenties. When you were a kid, how did it manifest, Fraser? Early on, it sort of manifested to the point where I didn't even want to go to school at times. I would get this kind of phobia where I'd be, the weekend would come and I would start to kind of, I would start to get panic ridden come Sunday afternoon, knowing that I had to go to school on Monday. Um, and especially, I, I, I felt it was more pronounced when I was on um, the school you know, breaks. So like every year you get sort of term breaks, semester breaks. And I found that when I had time away from, from kind of the chaos that I sort of found myself in, um, every time I knew that I would have to go back to that, the anxiety would start to kind of ramp up. And I was almost like I was counting down the days in my head. Like I would be like, okay, there's two weeks to go. There's 10 days to go. There's seven days to go. And I'd just be thinking to myself, and it was like a countdown. Um, and so the anxiety early on really was a massive barrier um, yeah. in my life. Yeah. Well, how, did you, how did you cope? I mean, that you're describing, you're saying, so no, as you're describing my life. It's like as if you were watching me at, at school. Wow. And I know, <laughs> yeah. I know how I dealt with it, which was I just stood there in front of the fridge with one hand in it, just shoveling food into my mouth. How did you deal with it? Yeah. In a lot of ways, the same. But because, you know, what's crazy is like I would eat tons of candy. But like, you know, lollies, I should say. You know, Australians usually call them lollies, right? Americans call them candy. But um, I was active enough, like outside and, and, and playing some sports that I didn't get overweight but i wasn't healthy um you know i had really bad acne and that's obviously a, a a key sign obviously going through hormonal changes but you know your diet will play a huge role in that too and so i definitely found that going for the the food was a big one and i would just lock myself away in my room man and just like play like music like sad songs over and over again it just kind of like it was like basking in the emotion the pain um i don't really know why i did it it was it was almost like it was like i felt like it was a release to some extent but it was like a prison too and so i really would isolate myself at times and i definitely feel like music um was a big outlet for me yeah uh, and, and and just you know like you said food um definitely 
in the form of just processed junk. Um, so that was, I would say those are the, probably the two yeah. things early, especially early on. Like I got to a certain point where it became like alcohol and other things like that. Um, but early, early on when I was still young, yeah. you know, it was those things. What did your parents do? Did your parents notice a change? Did they try and help? Yeah, man. I mean, my, you know, my parents divorced when I was really young. Um, my mom had a lot of sort of mental problems as well. So she ended up going back to Wanganui and, and getting help there and stuff. And my dad was raising two young boys by himself. And he was working a lot, so he didn't see him a lot. But what I found was that it's it was just one of these things where – it just grew and grew. Um, you know, even thinking about it now, it's it's even challenging to sort of like pinpoint times where, you know, I felt like there was even hope. Like my dad, I remember one time, I'll give you a real poignant example. One time I, ha- I was in my room and my, pe- my dad and my stepmother had family friends around for dinner and I didn't know who these people were. And obviously the guy, my parents must have told them about what I was going through. And he came in and he's like, hey, man, you know, you mind if I sit down for a second and, and, and talk to you? And I mean, I didn't know who he was. And um, I just remember him just talking to me, you know, like saying, hey, like as an older guy, like I understand, like, you know, heartbreak. I understand, you know, when a girl dumps you and I understand when you feel alone. Um, just know that like we've all been there. And that there is light on the other side of that. And it was so funny, man, because at the time, I just couldn't get my head. I, I didn't believe it. Like, I thought to myself, like, who's this guy, like, telling me, like, there's light at the other end? And, like, what does he know about me? And I and it must have stuck with me because I remember that. And, like, it, it was almost like my dad didn't – he tried to, to figure out everything he could, and he, he didn't have a solution um, early on. So, like, you know, people were reaching out to me, friends. Um, I ended up going to see different psychiatrists and psychologists and things. So I did get professional help, but it took a while to get to that point. You know, it was almost like I had to go this through this, like, trudging through this, like, painful, like, swamp of just misery um, to get to a point where, like, they recognize that, hey, you know, our son needs help. Um, and this was still re- early on in the sense that getting psychiatric help wasn't like as mainstream as it is now. Um, you sort of had to be considered kind of like a crazy person. And it was like a, and almost like an embarrassing thing. Yeah. Um, whereas now I kind of openly preach it. Like I'm like everyone, if everyone could afford it and everyone had the time, everyone should be doing it. It should be like part of your routine, like, working out and eating well honestly i mean for me the self-care the ability to get your thoughts out of your head even if you feel rational um it's self-care you know absolutely and so everyone's trying to help you man everyone they can see that the something's a little odd with the kid in the bedroom listening to the sad songs what bands were they i'm (laughs) gonna ask what music was it it was it was like Papa Roach and like Seven Dust and just oh, like yeah, this yeah. and, oh, and, and like, big jeans and the chains, like yeah, and like corn and just like all this heavy, heavy kind of stuff, you know. And it's like, yeah. and it was so he- it was so heavy and like I think a lot of those saint songs like emanate from pain as well, you know. So it's yeah. like, and you had the big chains, dude. <laughs> Yeah, the big. Oh, it's all about the big chains. All about the chains on your jeans. So they're trying to help you, but I just I'm just asking this because I'm wondering if we had similar wanderings when 
you come of age and, you know, you start going to parties mm. and stuff like that and then suddenly this magical liquid arrives in, in the flavour of beer or, or whiskey. Um, yeah. And you go, or in my experience, it was like, oh, oh, finally I've known about this before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like this this amazing social lubricant that just allows me to, like, feel invincible for a little while. Um, that was definitely a huge, huge crutch for me um i look back now and i didn't even realize i had a problem you know like spins drinking culture is so normalized now that people just go "Ah, teenagers and it's like so many of them are struggling with anxiety and depression that the binge drinking is just this mask and um i recognize it in myself like i got to a point where i couldn't even leave the house to go to a party without being half drunk before i left so I would have to get like semi drunk before I even got out the front door to feel like I could walk into the party and not like freak out. And um, I know that it was a really big barrier for me because when I really grew as a person and I removed alcohol, I just got to the point where I grew out of it. Like it's not like I, I needed to abstain from alcohol and I don't remember the day that I stopped drinking, but I just I grew into a person that didn't need alcohol to begin with. And um, I remember that when I got to that point, the anxiety actually elevated. Like I actually felt more anxious because it was almost like I had suppressed this sense, this sensation for so long, this anxiety, and the alcohol was like a, a numbing agent. And then when I removed that, all those unresolved things and unresolved phobias and things just came back to the surface. And I was really, really then forced to like face it head on. Um, with, without it. And that really, that's really what made me be like, wow, like, like I didn't realize like I was using it as such a crutch. Um, I mean, example, like I was 16 years old at a school dance and I thought it would be a great idea because I thought that the, the popular crowd would, would be like, man, this guy's awesome. Um, if I bought a bottle of dry gin, which is probably like the worst spirits you can imagine, um, to school, after like I mean, this is obviously in the evening after school, but it's still in school property under school you know rules, and drink the whole thing at a school function, and just like pass out in the garden in front of the 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 building, and the pr- school principal found me, like at 16 years old. That I mean, I was it, it, so for me, it was one part like a social lubricant to help okay calm the nerves forget about the stresses of life but another thing was almost like i felt like it was like a a validation thing like yeah if i can drink more than the next guy or if i can like do this when no one else would do it they're going to be like okay that guy's he's he's tough um and so it was like a two-pronged thing and man it was just destructive yeah you know, straight up what was life like after school was there a path was uh university an option what was careers were waiting for you dude i I have a very unusual story. Um, I left school when I was 16. Um, I was actually one of the first of my people of, in my friend circle to leave because I had ADHD at the time as well. So I felt like I was stupid. I um, mean, you know, I was the kid who was getting like B's and A's for achievement. Or like, sorry, for effort because I was trying, but I was getting like D's and C's for achievement. And so that was more embarrassing. Okay, if I was just not trying and getting bad grades, yeah. But like I was like 
in the teacher's eyes trying, but I, I seem to suck. And I was like, okay, one, I'm stupid. Two, I have all this anxiety. Um, three, I'm an acne ridden mess. Um, what is the point in any of this stuff? And, um, so I left school young man and I fell into being a butcher. So like I was working in a butchery part time after school. Um, cause you know, when you're, when you're working part time in a supermarket, they, it's funny. They'll, they'll push all the, the young guys into like these kind of grunt work roles, like butchery, grocery, um, seafood. But then they'll put the, the girls into like the customer service roles. <laughs> cause they sort of, you know, so they put them in the checkouts and the customer service and things. So they don't have to do any of that awful stuff. Um, but I was in butchery and I was like, okay, well, I suck at all these other things. I'm just going to do this. And so I went and um, approached the manager and I was like, look, I'm leaving school. Do you mind if I just come and work here full time? That was for the first time in my life, something that I felt like I got approval from people. Like I worked really hard and they like I was good. And I felt like maybe to be in. And I started an apprenticeship. And that basically is where you go through the whole process of going to slaughterhouses, um, seeing the, the process from start to finish, seeing how the whole system works. And um, it was a crazy, crazy environment to be in. Looking back now, I really feel like it really, really made my mental health worse, like way worse. Um, you know, then getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, plus the severe anxiety, plus the ADHD, you know, on medications for all these different things and drinking, dude, it was crazy. And so like, and, and the, the energy and the environment in a place like that was toxic. Um, you have a lot of sort of alpha male egos and they all drink. Um, they all kind of have this sort of chauvinistic demeanor about them. And you, you can kind of sense that that's probably what it would be like being in like a hardcore um, trade like that. And not everyone was like that, but a good portion of them were. And so like I was just around all these grown men much older than me, like father figures who were not congruent with like living a good life, not congruent with health, not congruent with optimal mental health or anything. And um, I remember it got to a point where I was in so much pain, like mentally, like I would wake up in the morning, my alarm would go off at 4 a.m. and I would just start crying. I was just like, it was, it was that bad. Like the alarm would go off, I would just start crying. I was like, I can't imagine my life could get any worse. And um, I was even at times even thinking, and like I was like walking around the butchery kind of asking people, hey, do you have um, – do you have this struggle? Do you have that drug? Cause I was seriously considering like doing like an overdose or something. It was like that bad. I was contemplating it. And, um, that's when I just really knew, okay, so I've got to change this environment. Like I've got to get myself out of this and just what to whatever else. And so I ended up resigning from that job and I wanted, I had this dream of, Maybe I'm not as dumb as I thought I was. You know, maybe it was just the environment I was in. It was the place and time in my life. 
It was me being distracted um, on, you know, the wrong things. Maybe I'm smarter than I thought I was. And so I went back to university and, you know, in short, like I did a, I started doing law and psychology and I got through, like I actually passed the exams required to get into those degrees because, because I left school young, I didn't have that tertiary qualification. And, um, I, again, that's, and this is right around the time. So I got into that, but this is right around the time that I stopped drinking. And that's when my anxiety went through the roof. And I actually, it got so bad, dude, that at one point, um, I had to get on the bus to get into the campus because it, it, it traveled from the North shore all the way down the motorway into the campus. And my anxiety got so bad. I just couldn't, I just stopped going. So I had a whole lot of student debt. I'd spent two years and I just lost it all. And that was tough because I felt like, okay, it was my second attempt. I failed that. Like, you know, here you hear these sort of hero stories about people coming back the second time around and really like doing well. And, and it was a second attempt and I failed at that too. And I was just like, man. And so I took a lot of time, a lot of soul searching, you know, I kind of went into like this monk mode where I, I cut ties with a lot of my old friends who were really destructive and, um, I wasn't seeing anyone. So I was just single, but I wasn't like drinking and I had this little pet dog that I rescued. And I just kind of went into this monk mode where I just started like watching national geographic dude and like personal development and learning and going to the gym. And I found that I started eating a bit cleaner and I started doing all these things while I was in this little sort of monk state. And that's when I went back and studied nutrition and human structure and function at university and I, it's the first thing I actually passed and man it was it was a good feeling knowing that what I realized was that I needed to be doing things that I enjoyed you know I need and I know it sounds cliche but it's like people often have the social pressure of oh I want to do this because it's going to make me look a certain way or it's going to get me in the doorway with xyz but they hate it and they're so like empty inside but they just keep thinking that it's going to get better. And so like when I finally kind of let that go and figured I've just got to do something that I, I enjoy, like I would do on my time off. Um, that's when, you know, it really grew. Um, but that in terms of that process coming through those degrees and out the other side, man, it was a roller coaster. It really was, you know, how, how, because you just, that's an extraordinary thing that you found that strength within you. Because even just to go back to you being 16 and getting those A's for effort, but C's for, for yeah. process and someone clearly showing signs of depression, that is a, that is a dangerous place to be for a young man. All right. Yeah. It is a yeah. dangerous, it is. dangerous place to be for a young man. And then certainly being in that environment, the butchery, um, and I know what it's like. I, I was 17 working with guys in their 30s. I know what it's like. You're like, whoa, okay. Then <laughs> you start, yeah. you just by osmosis, you start copying behavior. You don't even realize it, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah. It's pretty dark. What was it? it is, was it just, I can't do this another day? I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I can't do this. I'm just going to have to stop. Was that the decision? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was like a leap into the unknown. You know, like that was the scariest thing, I think, because I think a lot of people, when when they want to change their life, they almost feel they, they need a safety net in place first. They're like, well, if I'm going to stop doing A, I have to have B all lined up perfectly in a row before I can stop A. And I think for a lot of people, that's that illusion. 
like very often like you don't really know what you're going into and it's like you kind of feel the path as you walk it and so like i knew all i knew was that i couldn't see myself in this position and next year um i i I would be dead. I mean, I literally could not see myself doing that for another year. I would just rather have died at the time. That sounds so intense, but that's really the place that I was in. And so like, I knew that I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going into. Like I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do, but I just knew that that was the one thing I had to focus on. Like the immediate present state of just getting out of that situation. And then, and and I, I live my life like that now, man. Like, I will do things with the idea of let me make a decision and I'll figure the rest out once I just make the decision. But the hard thing is just making a decision sometimes. But then you you have this ability of figuring things out. And I remind myself of those times and those situations, you know, when I'm faced with challenges even now where I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you know what, Fraser, just make a decision. And if you're wrong, you can learn from it and it can be a great teacher. And if you're right, great, whatever. You keep progressing. Either way, you win um, if you choose to frame it the right way, you know. What was it that got you to the gym in the first place? What was it that got you in the door of the gym? It was, it was actually my old psychologist. So I started seeing an amazing guy, you know, and that's why I'm such an advocate of this because I feel like having a good counselor or a psychologist, someone that you can talk to, and it's funny because – at times, even when I was going to see this guy, his name was Frank. And even after I seemed better, which for the most part I was, people were like, why are you going to see a psychologist? There's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, if I was in shape, would I stop going to the gym just because I'm in shape? <laughs> and, so they're, they're, and so they're like, oh. And I'm like, if I'm doing something that's helping me, why would I stop it? And uh, so that was my thing that I saw him for the longest time, right up until I left um, to the US. And even then, we still did Skype consultations for a while as well. And um, he suggested to go to the gym. He's like, look, man, like you're a young guy, like you have all this built up tension. You got to recognize that all this mental tension and stress inside you is manifesting like you are becoming a tense person. And the more tension you get through your body, the more disease states you're going to move towards, the more you're going to be aggressive, you know, and all these other things in terms of aggression, instability, um, trouble sleeping. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. These other problems can be at least mitigated and he kind of likened it to like a pressure cooker you know like the the gym is almost like a little bit of a release valve it helps bring the pressure back down 
And obviously, you know, the pressure builds up from day to day sort of stresses and life and obligations and things. Um, like, you know, man, you know, being such a busy person like yourself, like the pressure builds up and you need like a stress release valve to kind of bring things back down to a baseline. Um, and so he suggested it to me and I was like, ah, oh, you know what, whatever, dude. Like, I mean, is this even going to work? Like I was in this place where I was thinking to myself, how's like lifting a, some weights going to like do anything? Cause I didn't understand human physiology or anything. These things at the time, this is before I'd finished my, this is before I'd even started my, um, nutritional degree. That's how I got into that because I, I started doing the weight stuff and I enjoyed it enough and Doing that, I got in there and I started. And dude, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a skinny little dude. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna go in there and do something. And I remember seeing progress. And I felt like for the first time in my life, it was something that I owned myself that could not be taken away from me by someone else. And it was like, it. And I didn't. It's weird because I didn't even do it early on for like external validation as much as it was like almost trying to prove to myself that I was like, oh, enough. And I grew it and I just, I just, I developed this love for it. Yeah. And, and, and did it, how, how soon did it make you feel better? How soon did the machine start to loosen a bit and your thoughts start to change? Yeah. I would say within a week, like very, very quickly, surprisingly. So it really, because I was, and I think also, because when you're in such a dark place, all it takes is like a little bit of stimulus to kind of propel you like 50 feet. And yeah, obviously like the, you might get diminished returns after that a little bit, but I would say within a week, I at least started feeling like my temperament started to like balance out a little bit. And then absolutely within the first few months. I mean, those first few months were like really profound. And obviously, like a lot of people call them like newbie gains where like, you know, you first walk in a gym and you just look, look at a weight and you grow from it because your body's got all this untapped genetic potential. And I think the mind is the same. Like you have all this untapped mint cognitive potential that comes with work, like at least doing some form of exercise. It's like, it doesn't just have to be lifting weights, you know, like it could be um, playing a sport, it could be hiking, cycling, yoga, whatever. So like, you know, when I tell people, they're like, what is the, you know, I'm feeling down. What should I do? I'm like, look, you just need to move your body. Um, honestly, because I, and I look back now and I recognize how static I was when I was in a really dark place. Everything about my physiology was very static, very congruent with like, a sad state so it's definitely it, i noticed it changes very early on and at what point did you i mean it sounds like the progression was happening fairly quickly so you would have maybe either started to notice or started to read up you sound like a curious you're clearly a curious guy um started to read mm -hmm. up about the combination of you know yes i'm lifting this thing but what am i giving my body to do with this effort i'm doing the food going in at what point did you start to kind of alter the way you're eating from the processed food, junk food stuff that you've been uh, eating? Really good question. It's, again, that was like a level of transcending. So like at first I came from a diet where I was just eating processed food just straight up. I mean there was no rhyme or reason to anything that I was consuming. It was just completely emotional. Um, and then what happened was is as I was learning more about fitness and nutrition – I just began removing processed foods from my diet. So I was still consuming animal-based products and things, animal proteins, fish and chicken and things like that. But I was eating predominantly whole foods. So at least from that perspective, um, I cut out, you know, I stopped drinking dairy. 
Um, it was things that I started to kind of catch on to, and it was kind of happened in little steps. But obviously, you know, for, for a while there, I was sort of doing what you would consider like a paleo style diet. So it was, it was just like fats and, um, meat and vegetables basically. And I was sort of avoiding fruits and greens and all these other things. And, uh, four years ago now, you know, being here, my wife was reading a book called The World Peace Diet by uh, Dr. Will Tuttle. And it's such a beautiful book. It's just so insightful and just, it really, really resonated with me. On, a, on an emotional level, on a mental level, and he was talking about the the relationship that we have to our food, um, the type of energy we put in our body, not just like like in a spiritual sense, but on like a biochemical level. And he was tying like science and spirituality, and that's when I really went um, full plant based and started adding more fruits in, more colors. And so that journey, it started from like basically stripping away just as much junk food as I could, but adding good things in. So I always wanted to add things in. Like I didn't just want to remove things because I felt like if I just removed all the foods that were bad, there would be like nothing left in my diet. Like it would just be this big gaping void. And so I was like, okay, I need to start adding healthy things in. So I would add in more vegetables, more, more whole foods. And then obviously I got to a certain point where I recognized that even what I was doing like on a paleo style diet for me wasn't what I wanted to be doing. Um, I felt like it was just another step in my own progression, um, going vegan, you know, plant-based. And I realized that it was like another test, you know, like I'd overcome all these other challenges with these mental hurdles, walking away from jobs that didn't serve me or my best self, breaking free of these mental patterns and you know getting off all the medications i was on like i was on dude like a cocktail of pills and to get off all of them and have been off all of them for eight years now and remove all the animal products from my diet like it was just this kind of progression of aha moments where i get to a certain point and i was like you know what there's something else that i need to be doing right? There's something else that's kind of missing. Um, and I, and like you were saying, like, I always like to kind of challenge myself and ask myself, like, what is it that I'm not seeing? What is it? Like, I can't be at my potential. Like, I just can't, you know, there has to be more to life than what I currently know. And so the diet was really kind of fueled that like curiosity, you know? What was it like when you first, you know, was it a, one day to the next, that's it. Did you do you remember your last meat meal? Was it a clear decision, or was just like I haven't eaten meat in a while? It was basically what I did was I I adopted the same process that I used when I started cleaning my diet up in the beginning. So I started adding meals in. So I picked up some like vegan recipe books and you know vegan blogs, and I was like, right, I'm gonna add in lunch this week. And I would do that. And I think the first week it was like lunch. And then the second week it was like lunch and a snack. And then the third week it was lunch, dinner and a snack. And then the fourth week, the final week, it was like removing like two eggs like from the farmer's market from my post-workout meal and just replacing it with tofu. And um, I remember like it was this weird sense of like, am I vegan now? Like I just I, like, I just, I, like, I just removed everything and I'm not dead. I don't feel like I'm dying. I'm not any like worse. In fact, I feel like I feel better. Um, and so it was over a four week period where I just kept piling like food in that was really good. 
and testing different meals, man, playing around with it, like seeing what works, seeing what I like. And um, it was fun. Like I, I actually enjoyed the process. Um, a lot of people get kind of phobic and nervous about it because they're like, oh, God, like what am I going to use for cheese and this and that? I kind of saw it as a challenge. Like I, I kind of adopted it as a challenge for myself. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to like make this work and I'm just going to get creative. And there's so many foods that I began eating that I'd never eaten in my entire life. And it made me realize like how limited and how myopic my old dietary habits were. And then I started to really see how myopic my my life, like the vision of my life and just my overall awareness of everything was. So the food was like a gateway for an awareness that really expanded beyond just food, if that makes sense. It makes it makes makes perfect sense. You did mention something because it, it really resonated with me about how I first transitioned out of it. I I had seen uh, it's a, a classic environmental movie. I'd seen a film called Baraka, uh, yeah. which is, I think from uh, mid early nineties, and there was a scene that took place in a um, a chicken factory, a, a factory farming chicken factory. Yeah, and I just I just thought to myself, you know what, I'm not. You know, I've always thought vegetarians are weird, but I don't want to put <laughs> yeah. I don't want to put anything in my body that has that energy in it. I don't want to put anything in my body that has been in that place. I don't want to put yeah. anything in my body that is not even a, as a being. I don't want to put this matter into my body that has that has been through those machines and and lived in those cages. And I'm taking that energy from that process and putting it in my body. And that, that I just didn't want that. You, yeah. however, having done your apprenticeship as a butcher, having been to slaughterhouses and all that kind of stuff, is does that yeah. sound familiar? Does that sound like a, oh, I don't want that in my life? Does that does that resonate with you? Absolutely, man. Like I truly and utterly believe that on a on a scientific, chemical, hormonal level and a spiritual level, in the sense that when you're and I'll give you an example of what I saw firsthand in the butchery in a second with some of the meat that came in for us to process, but Think about it like this. When you're consuming that product, that animal is in a, such a state of heightened fear right before it's killed. That cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, all these like fear response hormones are flooding its system and circulating through its, its muscles and veins and, and endocrine system. And um, once it's dead, the, those chemical trails are left. So you're con you are on some chemical level consuming that, and um, there was a really interesting um, statement that uh, a guy called Dr. Zach Bush made, where he was looking at the DNA um, and the RNA of different you know, and did some research, and he found that for a certain amount of time after you consume a food, it can actually alter your DNA, and so. On a chemical level, these things, like these hormones will be docking to your system. But just from like a spiritual level, like, you know, I felt like here I am, you know, healing myself, wanting to be this person of peace because I felt like peace from my, in my head was like the key, but it wasn't necessarily congruent with the type of suffering that I was paying for. Um and, you know, I saw firsthand in the butchery, like we learned in the apprenticeship that they, they said when, when certain animals come through and the meat is very sloppy, it's because it's had a heightened adrenaline and cortisol response right before death. And at the time, I didn't know really what that meant. Like I didn't really understand that cortisol was like a fear hormone back then. Like I just didn't have all this knowledge around endocrine function like I do now. 
and I was like, okay, the meat's sloppy. It's just dangerous to work with. That's it. But now I look back and I realize that it actually changed the physiological state of the product. So the flesh was different. And if it's physically different, you can sure as hell bet that it's somehow putting into, into your body, it's going to change your system in some way. And so like for me, looking at whole plant foods, fruits, things that are, are living in a sense, that are colorful, um, I felt like that's the type of energy that I want to put in my body. And I mean, I watched Earthlings and Cowspiracy and um, I read books like Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Foer and that book, he interviewed slaughterhouse workers and they basically gave their firsthand accounts of what goes on in slaughterhouses. And I can attest to being in slaughterhouses a bunch of times that pretty much all the things he talks about in the book are very true. Um, in terms of just like the, the poor regulations, um, the inhumanity of it and stuff. And it made me realize that too. Like, I'll be honest, like the reason why I stopped consuming animal products was primarily like what you felt. It was because I was like, you know what, like that does not vibe with me anymore. Like I don't like what I'm seeing here. Um, and I'd seen other vegan people, fitness people. I'd seen other healthy vegans. I'm like, this can, this can work. Like I just think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And um, I, well, I'm not one to buy into that. Like, I don't let people, I don't let like blogs and misinformation sites kind of like deter me from just doing something. And so I was like, right, I've made a decision because I don't want to contribute to this anymore. Now I just got to figure the nutrition out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for for me, Fraser, after having having had that. Uh, and in a similar way to you, once I started to take those things out of my diet, then I started to feel better than I'd ever felt in my life. And then it yeah. became, it kind of became a selfish health thing for me. Then it became yeah. like, yes, uh, you know, I'm grateful I don't have to kill anything. Um, yeah. I'm also, I'm way happier about how good I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it can be, it can be both. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, why are you vegan? And I'm like, for every reason for me, you know, like as much my health as for everything else. Like after like what, you know, I had come through, definitely do. Like the 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 way that it can make you feel um, in terms of your energy levels and the way that you can just feel like you're doing something that is like on the forefront of change, um, especially being in the fitness industry. I think that plant-based nutrition and veganism is like the is a huge wave that's developing now and it's been around for a while but it's definitely gaining traction and that that excites me and that for me like seeing that and knowing the health benefits that i've experienced and then coaching people and hearing like them say things like i've been to different doctors different nutritionists i've been to endocrinologists and no one's really been able to help me um, but going plant-based and following your nutritional protocols, um, it changed my life. And hearing things like that, man, I mean, that alongside, like you were saying, that alongside the health benefits, like f to want to feel good, plus not contributing to something that we don't need to be doing, it's just like, for me, it just it brings me to life. It really does. Like, it really does light up my soul. I think for for me the the a, a large part of I mean when you look at the greater impact that the meat industry and the factory farming industry is having on you know our energy policy our mm -hmm. climate policy like the, the the extraordinary waste and double dipping that goes on and mm -hmm. water wastage all this kind of stuff that is a massive massive problem 
However, for me, if if the conversation can change and we can try and change the conversations about you want to feel better than you've ever felt in your life, do this <laughs> and yeah. even talk about the other stuff. The other stuff will take care yeah. of itself, you know. And it's cheap yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and and it's and, 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 like, money on a heart transplant. Yeah, man, it's like it's appealing to people's emotions in a sense, you know. Like, yeah. that's one of the things I've said when I do some of my talks at VegFest around the US is that. Everyone has their own way of sharing the message. But for me, like when they get frustrated with people, like if you share a logical argument, like, hey, it, cre- it creates this amount of CO2 emissions or, you know, you dro- you're dropping like n- like statistics on them. It might make sense from a logical perspective, but they're not operating, making decisions on a logical level. They're operating on an emotional level. People like all of us, we operate on an emotional level to some extent. And so like, like you were saying, tapping into like hey do you want to feel better like do you want to look better do you want to be able to eat fruit and things that you thought like would make you fat and now that like they they actually won't if you do it the right way and like people like yeah you know like they're curious they're like man i want to do this um you know a good example is i coach um and you might you might have heard of him man um a guy chris dowtry um he was one of the first american idol contestants um, I coach him. I talk to him every day, and he went vegan at the end of last year, and he's doing it predominantly for his health. I mean, like, I don't drum home to him, like, you know, things that I know won't resonate with him off the bat, but I I, I drop the documentaries for him. I'm like, dude, this, check out this one. If you want, check out this one, and if you want to check it out, great, but I'm there, and I'm helping him feel better, you know? Like, I want him to feel good while he's on tour and stuff and not to feel deprived when other people are around him eating like a cheese pizza. And he's like, what do I do? So it's definitely dude, appealing to people's like sense of like self and sense of like health, you know? So let's, let's, if we don't, if we don't mind, cause considering, you know, the, this might be for, for many people, this might be the first time that they've, they've heard uh, someone who looks like you? Let's be honest. Hmm. Yeah, you know, they'll put a photo up on the on the artwork. Yeah, I you know. I'll definitely Instagram this. Like, you're fucking massive, dude. All right, <laughs> but people's, <laughs> but but people's concepts of the only way to get that big is to eat humongous amounts of weird powder and just chicken. That's yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind, you mentioned something before. People are afraid of fruit when it does come to losing fat i guess why are they afraid of fruit and why should they not be afraid of fruit i think predominantly it's because certain macronutrients like you know your fats or your carbohydrates or whatever it is there'll there'll be periods in mainstream media where they get hammered with misinformation and so there'll be a carb pandemic where everything carbohydrate related is bad for you but what the mainstream media, because obviously they don't have nutritional expertise, so they just kind of take things at face value and just kind of randomly jam things together to make it sound pretty. But they'll take like a, the carbohydrates from a donut and they'll take carbohydrates from a fruit and they'll say it's both carbohydrates or carbohydrates from like a white flour bread or like a you know refined flour pasta or something that's got like no nutritional value, and they'll compare it to like whole food like uh, like a sweet potato, or they'll compare it to a banana or grapes or something because it's all carbohydrates, and so it kind of gets blanketed by the whole that it gets tainted by the same brush, and it's the same with with fats you know like 
even, you know, like in certain circles, like all fat is bad, but like avocados, hummus, nuts and seeds, like whole food fats. Like to me, like I add those into my diet. And so I think that usually it's just because there's this generalized association. Um, and it's even goes as far to say that even a lot of people who are plant-based think that all fat is bad for you, but part of it is because they're blanketing the same negative health effects of like animal-based fats across the board with plants and protein too. So like even sometimes, you know, like a lot of plant-based people will talk about you don't need lots and lots of protein. And I'm not to say that you do, but plant proteins operate very differently in the body than animal-based proteins. You get a lot of different additional things in plant proteins that you're not getting in animal-based ones um, and some negative packaged effects in the animal-based ones. So I definitely think it's just because it's overgeneralized and people then like say all carbs are bad or all fats are bad or you don't want to get too much protein of anything rather than being specific about what is the source. You know, are you looking at the vitamins and minerals that come with that food? Are you looking at the fiber that comes with that food? And so, like, it's a package. It's not just a one one thing, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. So, yes, fruit does have sugars, but they're mm-hmm. fructose, not sucrose, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. fat does have carbohydrate, but it comes with fiber, right? Yeah. And, and when you're saying that when you consume it, like you would consume an energy bar or something else that's already prepackaged, mm-hmm. when you consume it in that yeah. combination, it, your body treats it differently? Yeah, so think of it like... When people look at the sugar content of fruit, for example, they're like, oh, my Lord, you know, like dates or whatever. You've got to remember that the, the, the fiber is going to help slow down the blood sugar conversion. So, like, that fiber will bind into your system and help give a more tapered release of blood sugar. And that can be a really strategic thing in the right context. Like, if you if you take fruit before or during in a workout or a hike or you time it around something where you're exerting yourself, you can get a good energy boost from that. Um, the reason why, you know, it converts faster and you get blood sugar spikes and insulin resistance and pre-diabetes and diabetes with processed carbohydrates and junk food is because there's nothing to slow down that, that sugar rush. There's nothing to show down that, sh- that sugar spike. And so you're getting this massive insulin release very quickly. So yes, carbohydrates on both ends, but the stuff that comes with them too. So the right. fiber, um, and also obviously the fiber is going to help basically like with your gut microbiome. So people don't think about that in terms of like how fiber insoluble insoluble fiber help with your digestive system. Yeah. And the crazy thing the crazy thing is just a random side note a, a, a large portion of the serotonin neurotransmitter that's that circulates your brain is created in your digestive tract. And so what I found looking back at my own life is that a lot of people who have mental health problems tend to have digestive problems as well. And um, that's why adding in more soluble and insoluble fiber and removing processed foods, it can help heal your gut, which can help re-stimulate serotonin production, which makes you feel better. Oh, man, that makes makes me happy to hear you say that. Uh, You also mentioned a word that that we hear a lot about, and you'll see it in an Instagram story, because we've never been more bombarded. Never been more yeah, yeah. than here's a picture of someone who's got a body that I want to look like. What do they say right underneath that? I'll do that, right? And yeah. we've never been more bombarded with that kind of stuff, and it's never been mm-hmm. harder to know who has 
you know, accurate information, who's been on scholar.google.com and who's been backing it up with research and who's just gone, I mm-hmm. heard this from someone at the gym. You know, yeah. so <laughs> both sides, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So you mentioned protein, right? And mm-hmm. yep. like I think one of my uh one of I'm very grateful to call him a friend, but one of the guys that really has inspired me in my in my life is a, a bloke by the name of Rich Roll. And he's always got this great thing is like protein is not an ingredient. Protein's not something <laughs> you pull out of it. It's not something you pull out of a jar. All right. Yeah. So, but people all they hear is like, you've got to have this many grams of protein if you want to do that. So, can you just talk a little bit about protein? And as yeah. someone who's uh, plant based and has, you know, a lot of lean muscle mass, uh, you know, which is something that people desire. All right. Uh, whether yeah. it's you want to, you want to look good, you want to feel good, you want to, you want to be strong, you want to both, you you have bone density issues, whatever. Yeah. You know, could you talk a little bit about about protein and, and and the differences between you know plant protein, animal protein, and and, and what it actually is? Yeah, so obviously you've got to remember that, you know, with animal protein, you're going to get additional things, you know, so like methionine. So there's different chemical compounds in animal proteins that come with it, um, cholesterol, methionine, and, you know, IGF-1. And what these things do is they're like cell signalers. So like, you know, they will turn on um, signals to cells, which will create growth, but it's systemic growth. So it's it's cancer cell growth, it's tumor growth, it's it's muscle growth, it's growth across the board. It's indiscriminate. So it's not just targeted muscle growth. So that's the first thing that you're going to get additionally with animal-based proteins as well. So it's like carpet bombing um, a problem. You know, like you, you might hit the target, but you're going to just blast everything. You know, with plant-based proteins, just the way that they operate in the body is different. They, you don't have the different levels of you know, other chemicals in them. You're not going to have the trace antibiotics, the trace hormones in them as well. But also, man, I think one of the things that I learned early on was that there is definitely a, sort of a propaganda machine, I think, especially within the fitness industry, because protein supplements is such a massive market. And people spend so much on supplements. And I... Was, I was I, I was victim of that. You know, I really went to the other end of the spectrum. Before I was vegan, I was consuming so much protein, dude. Like, but not even like a lot of powders, just a lot of like protein and meat. And um, I felt so sluggish, like just so lethargic. And I think part of the problem for people is that when you're protein, when you're trying to set these like ridiculously high protein requirements. But you're hitting like you're trying to hit like a total calorie intake. You run out of room for anything else. Like you can't add any other foods in because it's all just protein. And so you don't get a range of vitamins and minerals and things that help with recovery and sleep and hormone optimization. You so you'll pretty much just have this myopic, narrow like spectrum of food that you're getting in. And what I say to people is look. Be okay with tapering your protein down over time and adding in more whole sort of carbohydrate-based foods, more whole food fats, more like whole food proteins that are still carbohydrate-dense. So like a chickpea, for example, or a lentil, like most people would look at that and go, oh, that's got so much carbohydrates in it. But it's only a problem if you're trying to hit a rigid high protein intake. It's not a problem if you allow your protein to come down. And so for me, even at um, trying to convert it from pounds into kilograms, man, um, 210 pounds. So I think it's maybe like 95 kilograms. 
and body weight. Um, I consume, I want to say probably 120 to 160 grams per day, which is still kind of like high for what most vegans would consider, but it's way less than what like most mainstream fitness people would tell people to use. Most mainstream fitness people would be like, you do, you need one gram per pound of body weight. You need to be consuming at least 210 grams. So at 120, I'm consuming almost half of that. And I've been consuming like that for years. And um, one of the things that I tell people is, look, it's not as much about protein. It's about like total calories and like total calories from good whole foods that are going to give you the vitamins and minerals you need. Um, so when people come to me and they're like, I'm having really trouble figuring out my macros. I'm trying to move it around. Like, you know, like, um, like Rich was saying, it's not an ingredient. Like you need to look at food like a, a, a package, right? It's like instead of like an isolated thing. And I say, look, focus on total calories first and just eat like whole foods and don't worry about your protein requirement because if you're eating in some degree of calorie surplus to, to gain weight, I can guarantee you that vicariously you'll just be consuming enough protein. Now, I say to people, like, there's protein in brown rice. There's protein in oatmeal. There's pretty much protein in, there's protein in all plant sources. It's just that it's, we don't consider it because it's not like just protein. It's other things too. So I definitely tell people, look, be okay with bringing your protein intake down even like down to 50% of what you were doing and add in more whole foods in the form of like chickpeas, lentils, fruits, avocado, hummus, nut seeds, you'll still hit the same amount of total calories. So that's obviously the, the, the end goal. But I can guarantee you, you'll feel a lot better. Your digestion will improve. Your sleep will improve. Your blood work is definitely going to improve. Like my blood work was the thing that really made me realize, okay, there's tangible numbers that support how I'm feeling. There's a, my blood pre-vegan, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, because I was consuming so many like like eggs and just so much animal-based stuff. Um, so and that was abnormal at 28 years old. And I was like, what? I was like, this is kind of. I was kind of nervous, you know. And within six months of getting my blood work done again, everything was completely optimal in six months. And um, I was just like, man, now I can see numbers that actually support how I feel too, you know. You mentioned you mentioned earlier on that we were talking about uh, self care, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, is that still a part of your day? Dude, I would say self care um, is probably the epicenter of my life um, because I recognize that if I can't get up and come into the world every day like a better version of myself, or at least working on myself. Um, I just can't be a good husband. I can't be a good brother. I can't be a good friend. I can't be a, a good leader. I can't be a good student. Um, and I'm going to let people down who need my help. Um, I'm not going to reach my potential. And for me, I'm so curious now about what my limits even are. Um, I'm like, if I could come from this person who didn't articulate themselves like this at all, spoke differently, had a different demeanor, different body language, couldn't look at you in the eye, um, alcohol, drugs, eating processed junk food, butcher, and I could come to this point and and I'm 33, like where could I be when I'm 43? Where could I be when I'm 53 or 103, you know, hopefully. So it's one of those things where self-care for me 
is like mandatory. It's not, it's, it's a non-negotiable, um, but it comes in many forms as well. You know, it's not, it's not just what people think in terms of just working out or just, just eating well. It comes in many different forms. Like what? Like a lot of personal development. So a lot of podcasts, a lot of books. I, I just love audible. I listen to audiobooks all the time. So like when I'm traveling in the car, like I won't put on as much radio. I'll listen to audiobooks. A lot of personal development channels on YouTube. And just because, purely because there's so many people who have come before me who have been through a lot worse situations than I have or have been through similar things than I have and they've come out the other side and they've learned a lot of things that maybe I haven't learned yet or I, I can't see yet. It's like I want to expedite that process in my own life to help expedite how I can grow. Um, other things through the day or just as simple as getting outside and getting some sunlight sunlight fresh air i find sunlight fresh air music and feet in the grass that combination those four things together it just kind of stimulates all your senses at once um it's little things just like that and obviously having meaningful conversations with people um you know one of the things that I worked on and it was one of my my resolutions for this year and it's, it comes back to self-care was that when I engage in, and I have a conversation with someone, I want to be truly present with them. Like I want to be so present with them that they can tell that I right now all I'm focusing on is them and I leave that conversation having added value to their life and make them feel better. And I feel like while that helps them, it also is a form of self-care for me because I'm learning to be more present. I'm learning to like not be thinking, not letting the monkey mind kind of run away from me and think about like, what am I having for dinner later? Or what about those you know bills I have to pay tomorrow or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of controlling the state. It's controlling what I'm focusing on. And I definitely feel like that's helped a lot as well. And obviously just straight up, it sounds kind of, common and corny but just gratitude just straight up gratitude man of like recognizing that i we have it really good um that there's always someone out there who's who would love to who would kill to be in our position it was like that saying like you know i cried because i had no shoes till i met a man um with no feet and it's like one of those perspective things of just like hey appreciate what you have um, and find appreciation in it. Um, that's the thing is it's a choice. And so for me, the self-care stuff really stems way beyond just training and nutrition, all about perspective, shaping mindset, checking in with myself, surrounding myself with people who are positive. That's a huge one. I'm surrounding myself with people who are not of the victim mindset. Yes, they might go through challenges in their life, but they want to learn and grow. And I find that you you feed off that. You know, like you were saying, like with osmosis, like you really do absorb those things you're around. So in terms of self-care, that's been some huge things for myself. It sounds to me like, you know, the Fraser of 15 years ago <laughs> wouldn't recognize the Fraser right, right now. Did you... How does I mean like? How does it feel when you think about the man you used to be? How do you? How did you feel as you saw that man slipping away? That's a beautiful question. It really is. Um, it's it's funny because I have a picture that I post every now and then of 
me at my 21st birthday. And I remember because my head was down. I didn't really have a lot of friends there with me. Like I didn't want, I was, I was just in a place where I didn't want to have a lot of people there. And I had all these alcohol bottles around me and in front of me, like a barrier. And I remember looking at, at the, that picture and thinking back to that person. And I just, I felt love for them. Like, okay, this, this person was just in so much pain. Um, and, but in saying that and looking at like who I was, um, and you know, cause I, I did some, what I consider some bad things. Um, you know, like I got into a lot of fights. There was a lot of things that I thought I did that were really bad. And I was not proud of a lot of the things that I did. But in saying that, like, I feel like that person was like the catalyst for who I am now. Um, that it made me recognize like everything I do not want to be anymore. Um, it was in a way like an inverted teaching lesson where it wasn't showing me like how I need to live. It was showing me exactly how I don't need to live. And um, so I take those principles now, you know, like, and I really live by that. And it's funny because the way that I feel now and the sort of the sense of peace that I have most of the time was really what I was searching for in the very beginning. It was what I was looking for when I was that 11-year-old boy. And it's almost like I had to go on this massive trek and journey through all these obstacles and like all these wrong paths, what I perceived to be wrong paths, to really come back to the beginning and recognize that the feeling and sensations that I was looking for, I already had in me from the very beginning. And um, it was kind of like a humbling experience, like, wow, like, I went through all that, but it taught me so much. Um, and that's why I share it so openly. That's why I'm so open about, like, my mental health background and background as a butcher and all these things, because I'm like, you know what, like, if I can't let all these things, like, just go to waste. Like, I can't let all these experiences just, like, disappear into my memories and to not share them to, to kind of hopefully inspire other people to be like, look, like if you need to see a psychologist or you need help, like get help. Or like, if you want to improve your health, like go plant-based, go vegan, you know, like so many things that you can be doing. And I, and so I use those past experiences, that old person, um, as a teaching method for people. Fraser, I'm so grateful that we had the chance to talk today and that we live in a Thank world you, where you, you in New Orleans and me here in Sydney can have a conversation. Yeah. It's I love it, man. Mind-blowing. I'm grateful that you had the chance to be on the show today and that we could share this story, man. Thank you. Thank you, dude. I really, really appreciate it. And that was Fraser Bailey. You can find out more about him and what he does at Evolving Alpha on Instagram or Facebook, uh, Evolving and Alpha. All one word, no underscores. Such a great guy. Truly inspirational story. Um, I hope that hearing that was some fire in your belly to consider, no, no, maybe just go for a walk today. Maybe just get the ball rolling with a stroll. Put on another podcast and wander out your front door for 20 minutes and turn around. See how you feel afterwards. Email me. Let me know how it went. How it went. Send us your email at gmail.com. That's it for the show. Thanks very much to Andy Ma, my audio producer, who put this together. Hayley Van Spagna for finding, incredibly, a window of opportunity in New Orleans and Sydney 
in between the two of our schedules for us to talk. That was a superhuman effort, Haley. Thank you for that. And Toehider, of course, as always, for the brilliant music uh, that made this show happen today. Thank you for listening. I hope you liked the show. If you did, tell a friend. Until we talk next week, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.